Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. I'm your radio, radio show. I'm your radio, radio show. Hello and welcome to the Niler Nine podcast. It is episode 92 of our little podcast. It is Niall Byrne here along with Andrea Cleary. Hi, how are you? How are we doing? Good. It is another scorching day huh. in, in Dublin City. I have a tan. And, uh, what are we going to be talking about today? Uh, just a little album from the 1975. <laughs> Notes on a conditional form. No big deal. No. Nope. I'm sure, like I said at the start, I'm sure it'll be 45 minutes in and out. No problem. I this won't be a long I don't imagine all. I'll have a whole lot to say about this. No. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, we also have a chat with the Mary Wallopers, who we're going to be talking about in their other guys as TPM very soon. Uh, but first, what's been going on in the world of music? Well, um, I think a lot of things at the moment are concerned with festivals, trying to figure out what they're going to do with themselves. Um there are a number of initiatives that have happened in the last couple of weeks, basically in the in lieu of festivals actually happening, as we've been discussing. Um, there was an announcement during the week that drive-in concerts, as they've been touted as one of the things to do, uh, are going to take place in Limerick, Cork, Waterford and Kilkenny. Um, Gavin James is going to play two gigs, a matinee and an evening show per day. Um, and Busy, busy. Yeah, so it's going to happen over uh, in July once everything uh, is opened up a bit. And it's taking place in starting 24th of July in Limerick in the Green Park site near Dolan's. Uh, Cork Showgrounds in Cork, uh, Friday, July 31st. Tremor Promenade in Waterford on August 7th. Oh, I must and tell my mother. There you go. Oh, yeah, she might have a little and stroll there. Race course in Kilkenny on Monday, August 10th. So uh, how is this going to work? So the details are that 250 to 300 cars, depending on the uh, venue, will be allowed to 
uh, come in, drive in to this venue. Um, the tickets are 60 quid plus fee per car of four. And each four of those people are supposed to be from the same household. Uh, I'm not sure if they're going to police that or if they will be. Um, there will be a PA and Gavin James will be on a stage and he will be playing and you'll be tuned in to your radio transmitter. Now, what was interesting about this this week, I was I had, I was coming out from a couple of different angles. I was interested to see, there's a few different ways of looking at this. And the way that um, a couple of different narratives that emerge from this. There's, one is that Gavin James seems to be putting this on or with the promoters who are uh, MPI artists and 360 management. Uh, they're putting this on, it seems, largely... I was wondering if it was financially viable, first of all. And it turns out that they say Mark Dunn from 360 Management got back to me on Twitter and said uh, it would, wouldn't make a huge amount of money, but it would uh, cover costs and maybe a little bit more. Uh, I think that's a two-day. If you're looking at the breakdown, you're talking about 300 cars per show, 60, 18,000 euro. We're talking about 36,000 euro. Uh, that includes they'll have to have toilets and stuff like that as well. Although you're not allowed to get out of your car. There's no alcohol available, so they won't be um, making money on a bar. And uh, you can't leave the car to dance or hang out, only to go to the toilet. So, I mean, for a lot of people, I think, you know, there was a, a very strong reaction. Um, and it's unfortunate in a way, because like Gavin James to a lot of people would be considered fairly bland uh, singer-songwriter music and that's fine and that's grand but I was I was almost interested to know if it hadn't have been Gavin James it would be somebody a bit cooler what the reaction would have been um, I'm sure that it's great There's it's a family-friendly event there's a couple of things obviously it's not going to suit everybody uh, contribution contribution from the proceeds of each event would go towards nominated charity uh, Gavin James has chosen Down Syndrome Centre Ireland Um he has also said that the main reason that he's putting this on, presumably he's cutting his fee uh, significantly um, because the idea, I think, for him is to allow, we're, we're talking about, you know, eight shows over the course of two weeks and uh, that will allow his backline staff and crew to get paid, security people, stuff like that, to get paid. Presumably the promoters aren't going to leave themselves uh, high and dry either so I just think it was interesting I thought it was like is this something that we could do long term or is it like a short term medium term gap um, it's been an interesting thing for me to uh, to look into I don't know like I, I, I think I think that in order for this to work which now I'm will be happy to be proven wrong but I don't see it working um, on a just just as a gig goer, I think in in order for it to work, we will have to completely recontextualize what the experience of a gig is. It means that half of the people in every car are essentially at a listening party. Like they won't be able to see anything that's going on. Any you idea. People in the backseat. People in the backseat aren't going to be able to see anything. Um, we're going to have to take the kind of the visual element out of shows completely. Um as well as the sort of camaraderie and uh, sense of community that comes with attending a live show and being around other fans of an artist uh, that I'm sure Gavin James fans get whenever they go to see a Gavin James show. Um, but yeah, I do think that the response to it was interesting. I think it's it, it's quite easy to make uh, to make jokes about it because, yeah, Gavin James, he's, you know, maybe a little bit bland he's not exactly you know 
tearing up the rule book when it comes to um when it comes to making music but also you know he's he's like you said he's pretty family friendly and if families really need to get out for a day like you said he's gonna, he's gonna be doing matinee shows like I I imagine on a nice day it it might do well in the daytime but then do you really want to be sitting in your car all day it just it doesn't seem to me like a like a gig I think it just we have to kind of define it as something else like it it is pretty much just a listening party but you're in your car um and it's a very very different and I imagine a strange experience and I for one would not attend one uh even even if I was a fan of the artist that uh that was playing um I just I have absolutely no no interest in it no yeah, it's certainly a novel stop stopgap for the moment while we mm. can't have live shows. Um, yeah, yeah, I think the actual reality of being in a car when it was, what happens if it rains, all that kind of stuff. It's a bit grim. You know, I mean, we are in Ireland after all, so we don't do convertibles here. Um, mm. You're right, the people in the backseat will have a worse time. Yeah. Um, they could, maybe they could stick their head out the window and there's a big, you, maybe there'll be um, screens off to the, each side. I'm not sure how it's yeah. going to work, but... Um, you know, yeah, it doesn't really uh, make it's not a live music experience. And I think for a lot of people um, who are wondering about where where we're at and where that's going to go in the next six months to eight months is, is this enough? Is this uh, mm. just a, a once off live a kind of experience as opposed to anything else? Yeah, uh, I mean, I these... think, you know, like gig, gigs are going to come back. Like, that's the thing is that we we will get through this thing. You know, we like they they will start again. There has always been gigs and there will always be gigs. There's been gigs for longer than there's been venues. There's been gigs for longer than there's been, you know, labels and the music industry. There's always been performance. So we we, we don't need to worry about this being the end of days when it comes to when it comes to live performances. But um, I mean, I, I admire that people are trying to do different things. I would be much more inclined to go to one of those socially distant gigs where you're in, like, for want of a better word, like a pod with a couple of your friends or with people from the same household as you. But you're still in a venue, you know, you can still arguably go to the bar or purchase alcohol or, you know, just not be sitting in a really warm car uh, on, on, a, on a hot day like a thirsty dog. Yeah. Well, let's look at some of the other examples that have happened in the last week or have been touted to happen. Uh, there was one in Germany uh, uh, last week with Ger Jansen, um, the DJ playing in Berlin. And that was a socially distant club experience in the daytime in the outdoors. He reduced his fee by 80 percent. Tickets were 70 euro per person. And everyone is essentially given a circle in which to dance in. And everyone had to wear masks and you couldn't go to the the bar or anything like that um kind of again more of a novel experience and not something the organist said they broke even on it and it, they just did it to to show boost morale essentially um, yeah and they got plenty of headlines for it as well um but yeah there are countries in europe now they're gonna open up i hear switzerland is opening up again that's they're gonna start putting on gigs again next week um so you know that's gonna happen but beyond that like the biggest thing about this is the idea of you know socially distancing and 
Uh, one one festival that raised eyebrows this week was Serbia's Exit Festival, um, who initially had cancelled their July festival. Now, I've been there before in Novi Sad. It's a beautiful festival that takes place in a fortress. Um, musically, it leans a lot towards like drum and bass and rock and like a bit more cheesy EDM and dance stuff, but it's a beautiful festival itself and beautiful site. And uh, it's a very interesting place to be. Um, so initially they had cancelled the festival and then the Serbian Prime Minister, Anna Branovic, stepped in and asked the organisers not to cancel the festival. It's not really clear why exactly. Perhaps um, Such a big lying. energy move from the Prime Minister yeah. to step in for your festival. <laughs> Maybe she likes going. Um, Maybe she's but, a big drum and bass head. <laughs> yeah, well, she said we recommend to move the festival to August because we expect the situation with the pandemic in the whole of Europe to be totally under, totally under control by then. Now, it is... I like her energy. Have, <laughs> yeah, it does sound like wishful thinking to me. It is a very big festival, but like you, I just can't see the practicalities of gathering so many people at once. So I think what's happening here, this is just a flex to to be, we're, we're talking about a festival with a capacity of 55,000 people and 40 stages. And not only that, but a whole load of international uh, artists like David Guetta, Fatboy Slim, Metronomy, Sepultura uh, were due to play this year. Uh, <laughs> what a lineup. Yeah, I, I cannot see this happening in any way i can't see no. how the international acts will be able to even travel no and, Never mind. and look i mean you know august is far enough away that it can just be pushed out again this is absolutely like like you said it's absolutely just a flex to say like oh yeah no we're just postponing it everything's fine here in serbia but then you know when july comes along it'll be pushed out until october or november it's not it's it's not viable i mean un- unless they unless they just end their well whatever kind of uh, procedures their country is following in terms of social distancing and um physical distancing but i mean like it's uh, i don't know no yeah they they say that they're going to um reduce their capacity from 55,000 and the number so what i can imagine happen is very small um distant event happening on the grounds with like 400 500 people or something like that i can imagine something like that happening i don't hate still that socially distance. <laughs> But yeah, but it's not exactly like they're still going to, it's not going to take, they've already said it's not taking place the same way yeah. that um, it's going to happen. Uh, it was due to happen. So mm. that's one idea. And then we have also had, I mean, obviously in between all that, Brian Vera has announced his 2021 lineup and they've added uh, a lot of acts. to. Very that good well. lineup. Uh, Very exciting. I might even as, go, Niall. I might even yeah, go. I'm sure you're you not believe the only one sweating for a festival I would say (laughs) (laughs) so there was also a Dutch collective called No Art who uh, have outlined plans for a new socially distanced festival and this basically takes place in a hotel so each hotel room um, in this hotel called Sir Adam we'll have a party in the room and you have dinner in one of the exclusive locations I and love that it's a 24 hour experience with art and music in Amsterdam uh, in room entertainment and secret packages a three course fine dining show and a no art lineup on the Saturday the 20th of June yeah um, sign so... me the hell up <laughs> why has nobody ever thought about doing a festival in a hotel before that's an amazing idea well, that's there you brilliant. go, and that, that's what they want to do. I love um, that. They there was a festival that, uh, or like a a theme at a, a mo, the motel one in at Electric Picnic that Orchard Teas put on, where they had like mm. motel rooms and stuff like that. Mm. Um, basically, how this has worked was social distance still be in place. Each room of the hotel will be connected to a performance space called the loft, while attendees will chat via Zoom. So 
Again, oh no, you know, now I hate it again. Never mind. <laughs> but it says it says in room entertainment, so somebody can come into your room and perform at some point. So there is some live element, okay. but I'm not sure how that works. Oh, okay. I misunderstood what this is, and now I don't like it anymore. But I've just had a great idea for a festival. So, you know, you 2022, go. watch out, the shell burn. I'm going to bring my, well, <laughs> bring my main, idea the, to the shelter. <laughs> there's a lot of empty hotels in Dublin at the moment, yeah, ironically, yeah. after uh, the last year, everyone talking about there being too many hotels. So maybe some of them will end up turning into performance spaces. Wouldn't yeah, that be nice? they're not yeah. going to give them to people to like live in. So no, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so it's time for a reason to be cheerful this week. We have a, a pretty big reason to be cheerful. And yeah. uh, let's hear the song and then come back and talk about it. So earlier this week, um, TPM um, posted a video on their Twitter, which um, we actually do talk we have an interview coming up with TPM Stroke the Merry Wallopers very shortly after our album of the week. Um, but since we last talked to them, I talked to them last week uh, from their houses over their, uh, Skype or Zoom, whatever it was. Who knows? It was Zoom. Um, and so what happened? Well, the uh, Gemma O'Doherty and her band of anti-vaxxers and John Waters and all uh, put on a protest on Black Rock Beach, clearly flouting the coronavirus lockdown rules, um, all in aid of taking the country back. And what's the only way you can match that kind of inane level of discourse is by getting uh, TPM uh, to show up on the same beach to put on a protest of their own. Their protest was called Dundalk Against Changed, and it focused on bringing the country back in a different way. So <laughs> uh, here's a clip of the lads from TPM coming onto the beach with their sirens and bullhorns. <laughs> bring back dial-up! Bring back the old shot! We dial-up back immediately! The internet is too fast today! We are Dundalk against Dundalk against Jane! And we believe in backwards legs! That's uh, I honestly couldn't 
love them more. <laughs> I just think it's so brilliant, um, like the chance of bring back dial up, the internet being too fast. Talking about how uh, there's the uh, uh, the shopping center needs to be reopened. The old shopping center with the escalator needs to well, be reopened. Well, it's true. I mean, I I I lived. I had a spell in Dundalk. Um, I lived there for three years in my very early twenties. It's a fantastic place to live. Um, uh. Well, we had the spirit store and it was it was a good place to be. But um, yeah, it was just so it's it's just such a lovely thing to have done. And also, I don't I don't know if I could have done it like I, I don't know if I could have went down onto the beach and been such good crack. You know, it's fighting craziness with crack. And I love that. I think that that's it really drew attention to how ridiculous these people are. And, you know, it's not enough that they've been thrown out of the fucking high court and now they're like there was what about six of them down in black rock beach like, take, one, yeah. take the country back fuck off you know and so yeah you, you always know you're doing a good thing when your satire is um kind of like intrinsically linked or like unmistakable for the thing that you're satirizing it's like yeah like then then you know you're fighting against a cause that deserves to be fought against these people are ridiculous the mary wallopers are amazing i love them <laughs> up the line yeah up the it was really like it was a great moment and it was just uh i think it was particularly great because with the siren and the bullhorn that they had, it really did drown out the other protests as well. <laughs> Never mind them shouting as well, but like just the idea, just they're so gassed. They're just like, we have yeah. every right to be ridiculous. I have flags in my yeah. house too. Stuff like that. Uh, it, they're incredibly naturally gas lads. They are. Like they just are. completely uh, gas lads. And I love them. Yeah, it absolutely. And uh, you can watch that on Twitter and not around at the moment. Uh, Dundalk against change. If you want to bring the punt back, and bring, bring the pump back and yeah. bring back dial up so that's uh, there used to be two Tesco's there used to be now, there's only, now there's only one Tesco's <laughs> <laughs> okay Andrea it was fantastic it is time uh, it's your big moment uh, it's time for us oh we're going right we're in we're going right oh, yeah, in okay. why not um, to okay. we're gonna our album of the week this week is from the 1975 it's called Notes on a Conditional Form it is the band's fourth album and uh, recorded in 16 different studios. It is 80 minutes long. and eight zero. eight zero, And it goes all over the place. Let's have a quick listen to one of the songs called If You're Shy, Let Me Know.
Christmas of 1975. <laughs> you got me up there. I did. There was no easy way to do that. Well, I could have just told you. Um, that was If You're Too Shy, Let Me Know from the 1975 album Notes on a Conditional Form. There are 22 songs on this. As I said, it's 80 minutes long. Just a quick overview before I seat the floor to the expert over here um, who has love notes. Um, we're talking about an album that goes from uh, a Greta Thunberg speech to a, like uh, a Marilyn Manson-esque rock song to a symphonic orchestral track to a dream pop electronica to back to symphony, symphonic uh, orchestral music, soft acoustic pop, four sets style electronica, kind of a soft rock buzz, a cheesy songwriter ballad um semi-sonic kind of 90s music in there and as me and you together song it's like a very 90s software i think i actually hear a banjo there as well i possibly hear a banjo then we have some more electronic dream pop some auto-tuned pop a chance the rapper-esque r&b song uh <laughs> mc cutty ranks uh, the jamaican ragga mc on this house kind of track uh that's oh song, yeah you weren't expecting that yeah, were you? No, it wasn't. and then a full-on 80s uh, pop moment in if you're too shy let me know soft acoustic ballad a John Hopkins-esque electronic track, um, FK Twigs featuring on a kind of a spectral pop song, uh, Garage Electronica, a very soft ballad, and then a dreamy 90s pop song. So everyone has been no, talking about I, this. Uh, I couldn't have said it better myself. <laughs> Everyone's been talking about this. Now, it depends on which side of the fence you come from. Uh, before I ask you, you now, I think it's just like everyone, it depends on whether you're on board with the idea of it being this eclectic kind of mixtape idea. And the people that I, I, I've talked to who love this album um, say they love that part of it. Uh, I usually like that kind of thing and I, I admire that kind of eclecticism. Um, I don't know if this works for me at all, but um, I do admire a lot of it. Um, I think it starts really well. Um, and then it kind of like... But then the sequencing gets me as well. There's a lot of sequencing here that doesn't really make sense to me. Like you've got the Greta Thunberg speech, which goes on for five minutes, and then this like short rock song, and then it goes into the the end music for cars, where you like the orchestral swells, and you're like, where, where? It's called the end. This should be at the end, no? It's like it's like it just doesn't really make sense. And then you got the dreamy pop electronic stuff, and then it takes, and then there's a, a glut of songs and after eight's like song eight where it kind of goes more into the softer rock and dreamy pop stuff um so it's kind of all over the place and some of it's very endearing um lyrically um that's that's just musically speaking lyrically i want to talk more to you about that because i want to hear your opening statement please <laughs> okay so um i think in order to discuss the 1975 we do need to provide um context so here is my attempt at uh context this is as you said the fourth record from 1975 who are a pop rock group from manchester um and work from this group has kind of increasingly been concerned with the changing state of the world um the modern world how humans are responding to these changes and i'm i'm personally always interested in big pop releases and I'm especially interested in how the we as the music press respond to them um and this this has been an incredibly divisive album um you know one, one star in the UK independent five stars in the enemy and it has really kind of divided people's opinions um and that's not something that's new to this band at all um 
The band is also a very interesting case study in how fans and critics are often singing from completely different hymn sheets. And I I think there's a few very interesting reasons for that. And they are thus. Uh, The 1975 are a band that are completely wrapped up in consistent self-referencing in-jokes, shared aesthetics and radical earnestness. Um, These are also very good indicators of a kind of a Gen Z parlance that we as millennials aren't intrinsically privy to, do you know? So the generation whose experience of the world is irrevocably linked with online spaces and real world disaster and trying to find their place within that. I And I think to understand the 1975, whether you're a fan of their music or not, requires a critical engagement with a generation whose voices are as of yet not represented in the music media um, or the mainstream music press rather. So these, the, this, this generation who the 1975 are writing music for um, aren't writing reviews. Um, and I think that that's, that's I, I don't know, I've been thinking about that and I think that that's an important kind of thing to bring up. So I do think that a surface level music for music's sake or this album for this album's sake review of an album like this does a disservice to the fans as well as just pop criticism generally because I think to understand how tastes in pop music change you have to engage with younger generations and you have to get on board with how tastes change between generations and you know pop music is a playground for young people it's a it's a dressing room um and modern pop is more wrapped up in this idea of earnest self-reflection and expression than ever you know and sharing oneself online is a very important part of this but so too is activism and the fear that they're a generation that might end up on the wrong side of history and I remember feeling that as I didn't know that I was called a millennial then but I remember that feeling of being a young person and wanting to make the changes that our parents generation didn't make and we we weren't going to make the same mistakes that they did and and when I listen to the 1975 it really brings me back to that we need to save the world level of anxiety except crucially that Gen Z have a literal countdown timer <laughs> like they have an actual you know thermometer that is keeping track on the temperature of the earth um so it's it all comes a lot more to the fore I think so enter the 1975 I suppose which is arguably a project that has tracked Maddie Healy who's the frontman and primary uh songwriter his existential and personal anxieties ever since their first album but this follows on from a brief inquiry uh into online relationships which is their previous album uh, which itself was an examination of online space and activism and political movement and personal relationships. And we open with that Greta Thunberg address um, to the world on the matter of climate change, followed by 21 completely, entirely, ridiculously mismatched, genre-hopping, sporadically messy tracks on uh, anxiety and personal struggle. And if you look at the album runtime of 80 minutes and assume that it's bloated... My friend, you are correct. It is completely bloated. Like it's, it is, it, Maddie Healy is not known for his brevity. Um, and it's, it's kind of unsurprising that he wastes a lot of time on this record with 
with things that are really quite mundane. Um, there's a lot that should have been left off this record. Um, and I think that those are primarily ideas that are good at their core, but they just don't feel fully formed yet. Um, Jesus Christ, uh, 2005. Jesus Christ, I love you, 2005, Jesus Christ, 2005 forever. God bless America. That's the one, yeah. I Like, that, uh, then, then because she goes, roadkill. Like, these, these come to mind as being songs that have potential, but I don't think that they that the ideas within them were as fully realized that uh, as I've come to expect from this band. Um, there are two songs that I outright dislike um, and unfortunately they close the record. Um, so I, I do end up with a little bit of a bad taste in my mouth at the end of it. But what I like here, I like very, very much. Um, and I, I believe that there is an excellent album in, in these notes and it, like, I don't think that we should ignore that the album is called Notes on a Conditional Form. I don't think it's a treatise on a conditional form. I don't think it's a it's a thesis or, you know, uh, necessarily a well thought out argument. I think that these are scribbles. These are sporadic ideas that they've just thrown together without any sense of kind of sequencing them well. And, and, I, and, I, and that is incredibly frustrating yeah but it was already considered to be a companion piece or a part two essentially of their last album so it kind of was always touted as this kind of like oh they have another album that's going to a companion album that's going to be released and then it took uh, an extra year to be released um so do you think that there was a lot tweaked and changed here in that year that maybe maybe not enough to make it a great album but enough that it's now kind of doesn't feel like totally it's sketches it feels more like it's much more ambitious and they maybe like i think the first seven songs on this record are uh, work really well together and it's it it even though i don't totally agree with people going into the end of music for cars but i like the fact that there there's ambition there and there's 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 attempts at doing something and then when it kind of it kind of like it's like the ambition kind of falls away and it goes into those songs that you described that aren't great they're fine and then you're like and then you know the intention doesn't feel as strong throughout then after that there's a lot of things that just don't quite uh, follow through and we're talking about you know like track eight to track 22 that's a lot of songs we're talking about that's a lot of songs (laughs) it is you know and i mean i think i genuinely believe that their unwillingness to cut songs um to to trim their albums down has been what has stopped them from having four five star pop albums in a row um if they learn to edit their albums would be a lot stronger and we can absolutely say that the album doesn't flow and that the format is a mess but I cannot ignore the good shit in here though. Like, I mean, when, so I, because of who I am as a person, distilled this album down to what I think makes an actual good album. I've called it Cliff Notes on a Conditional Form. Hold, hold for our applause. And um, and I think that, yeah, the, the good in here, I find irresistible. Um, I mean, if it, it, you take a song like Too Shy and it's completely perfect pop music. Like, I cannot fault that song for a second. 
there's there's nothing in that song that I don't absolutely love and it's it's the music that I I love them making I love them making these big gleaming shining stadium rock bangers that are just so so catchy and so tongue-in-cheek and you kind of think they're about one thing but they're really about another thing and like like the 1975 like always it's it always kind of seems a little bit too cheeky on the surface but when they're good that will mean that when you probe it you actually find something real and you actually find something of value and and of note in in what it is that he's saying and I think that that song sums it up perfectly I also really really loved um Frail State of Mind um I thought that was a really ambitious track from them about leaving behind the lifestyle that they kind of lauded on their first two albums when um Matty Healy was going through um a period of uh heroin addiction and living the quote-unquote rock and roll lifestyle but um this is you know a a complete a complete kind of left turn into this minor key burial mj cole inspired garage track and the sense of opposition and duality within it is the thing that i tend to find most charming about them if you think back to the previous album it's not living if if it's not with you was a memoir of matty healy's time as an addict wrapped up in a love song and this this track frail state of mind is is a closed door on the party lifestyle completely wrapped up in a banging after sesh garage tune and I I I love how he how he kind of flips that on its head and invites you to still enjoy this even if you're not entirely able or willing to give yourself over to that kind of lifestyle and I think that's a really really smart thing to do and really clever too shy we've talked about having no head um is is a later album track that I really enjoy um I think it's a really it's a really pretty slow burn it's entirely instrumental and it sounds to me like a science fiction soundtrack for kind of kicking into this really pleasant soundscape that is it's very John Hopkins re- that one for sure yeah it's very it's very textural and you know I, if, if if something sounds like a good John Hopkins track I'm not going to be mad about it, to be honest. So it's probably time to give um, um, the drummer and uh, also producer, George Daniel, props for yes, that one. Because a absolutely. lot of those songs on this album, I mean, he is the producer as well. So uh, that's all he's doing. And he's bringing that mm-hmm. to the band as well, as opposed to just focusing on everything that Matty Healy does. You know, he's, he's yeah. shining in his own way there. He is. And I think that I, I, I hope that he will kind of pursue that route because the the tracks that he worked on on this album as a primary songwriter I have really really enjoyed um and I would love to hear more of what he can do while he's exploring that space outside of this project um I mean there are tracks here that I just find like me and you together song is just the most unapologetically busted sounding beautiful glimmering love song and and it's i i absolutely love it i completely adore that song and have done from the minute i heard it um and the minute I heard it, actually, the first thing I said was, that sounds like a busted song. And then um, I was watching some interviews with 
young Matthew Healy today and he he referenced Busted in that and I was absolutely delighted with myself. All those years listening to Busted as a 12-year-old have finally paid off. <laughs> but but I mean they're they're so good at trying on these different these different personas and and still managing to get something real and true through to their listeners. Um, I think the birthday party is probably a very good example of this. It's it's a very catchy, very easygoing tune, but there's a story within it that is, again, if you probe it, it's a conversation between him and a partner about being at a party while you're trying to remain sober and being around drugs and trying to kind of balance this lifestyle of being both a rock star and a recovering addict and I think he deals with it very deftly and very um kind of with with humor and with with a bit of a wink which I think that pop artists should do pop artists should sound like they're enjoying themselves which is why the moments on this album that I don't enjoy are the moments where I don't feel that enjoyment coming through um or times when I ju- I just think they could have done with a couple more a couple more works you know a, cu- a couple more goes over just a few more notes from a few more people and I think it would have r- worked really really well um but then I guess that that led me to think a lot about and I I, I this is probably a a, a, a semi tired discussion at this stage but I mean we don't necessarily listen to music as albums now and I'm more than happy to playlist the loving god out of this album and you know I've created a playlist of this with um a brief inquiry into online relationships and the songs that I think work well between those two albums and they're very very different listening experiences whatever way you jumble them up and I find that fun. I find that really engaging and I find it um, almost collaborative. And I don't think that that is necessarily a mistake on their part. But I do think that A, A Brief Inquiry into Online Relationships was a better album overall. Um, But B, some of the tracks on this album, namely Too Shy, uh, have been the best music they've ever made. So... It's all up in the air. <laughs> Interesting, yeah. Um, I guess I'm, yeah, that was my next question. I was going to ask you what you thought the, the, the last two albums together, whether they sit well together or or not. So have you found, because went back and had a cursory listen to it, and um, I obviously see some uh, parallels here in terms of sounds and styles, but um, there's just a lot more going on. It feels, it almost feels, it feels like, it is like you say, it's called notes on a condition form. It is does feel messy, and and I think that's the thing where I'm like, I just can't believe it's eighty minutes. Sometimes I'm just like, what? Yeah, I'm still going. I I mean I I tend to not get to we we actually we had we found this with with Father the Bride when we reviewed that. Um, I tend not to get too hung up on if albums are very long. Um, it doesn't tend to bother me a lot because usually. With the exception of a few, like, you know, 10 out of 10 albums, usually albums that are this length can be cut down to 40 minutes, 30 minutes even. And we're absolutely free to do that. But the way that I cut this down might not necessarily be the way that you cut this down or another person might cut this down. Like I, I will have left 
songs out of my playlist that other people would have included. Um, like Guys, for instance. I can't stand that song. It It is completely bizarre to me that they would finish the album with, with such a... Like, I, I, I don't mind the self-indulgence of it. I, I think if you're going to be a fan of the 1975, you have to give yourself over to Matty Healy being a bit of a self-indulgent twat at times. But also, like, the, the lyrics are not good. And it's it just doesn't feel like a full entire song yet. It feels like it's still in the gestation period. Um, and the song that he wrote with his father, this, this the second last track on it, uh, don't worry, don't like it at all. And if it was up to me, I would have, I would have absolutely just left left that out. I wouldn't have even put it as a B side. But I mean, that that's another thing. We don't really get B sides anymore. And I think that that's why all of our albums are so fucking long these days. Is that artists aren't releasing B sides. Um, so we should probably bring that back, and then everyone could stop complaining about eighty minute long albums. But I mean. Look, overall, I think that the 1975 are will always be, to me, an incredibly interesting band. And I think probably because I, I misread them so much on our last review that we did. Like if you if you listen back to the review that you and I did on A Brief Inquiry into Online Relationships, I, I slated it. I did not get it. I did not understand it. And it took me time. It took me seeing them live. It took me... It took me a lot more time than I had given it at that stage. And it is by no means a perfect album, and nor is this. Um, but I think that the 1975 as a project are aware that we don't listen to music in the same way that we used to, or at least the people that they're writing music for don't listen to music in the same way that we used to. And I think that we, as the music press, do a disservice when we say things like oh well th this is a mess it's garbage and then just sort of you know bat it off w without trying to understand what why it is that a, an album might be slated by critics and then that band might tour that album and fill stadiums you know I I I, I just think that there's much more interesting and intri intricate conversations to be had around a band like the 1975 than it's just bad or it's just messy or and I think that that's what I've been finding so frustrating about some of the discourse around it. Um, Do you think I, that, uh, you know, much touted and often self-touted voice of generation is is Maddie Healy himself? So. Do you think there is some truth in that or is he just reflecting, like you said at the start, the anxieties of that particular generation? I mean, he's 31 now. He's, he's not yeah. as young as most of the fans that he's playing this music for or singing this music yeah. for. Um, do you think, because there were... That's me opening a can very, very, uh, there, very sorry. <laughs> there was elements on the last album, A Brief Inquiry into Online Ships, of you know, something larger, something cross-generational, um, thinking of like Love What If We Made It, for example. Um, is there stuff here that you could see um, transcending um, that generational divide? Um, yeah, I, I, I think there is. I mean, I think, like you said, Matt, Matty Healy isn't as young as the people that he's making music for, but I think that he he finds a way to distill um angst and worry and 
that kind of teenage vibrating pressure to save the world. Um, and I, I, I genuinely believe that people is a, sorry, I genuinely believe is a strange way to start that sentence. I think that people is a fantastic protest song. And I think it's, um, I, I actually love how it follows Greta Thunberg's um, 1975 track as the opener. I remember I, I was at the gig in January, which is completely bizarre to even think about. Um, but anyway, or was it February? No, it was February. Um, and they, they played the Greta Thunberg track in, I'd say, the first third of the set. And as it neared the end of the track and it was clear that, you know, it was turning down, they were about to go into the next song. I turned to friend of the podcast, Dave Hanready, and said they should kick into People Now. And they didn't. They kicked into Love It If We Made It, which was, you know, it was the second best choice. But I was like, they missed a beat there by not kicking straight into People. And I think when when I heard the opening of this record and they did that and then they kicked straight into People, I was like, yes, okay, they're saying something here. They're, they're not necessarily... I don't think claiming to be the voice or he, I should say, he's not necessarily claiming to be the voice of a generation. He's just, he's just trying to be a voice. And I think that he, he gets across the mistakes that we make when we're, when we're learning. And he is, he is such an earnest character in his, in his learning about social justice movements. And he gets it wrong a lot. And he says problematic shit a lot. And he comes out and he apologizes a lot. And I think that that's very indicative of the, generation that he's speaking to gen z grew up online there's no there's no difference between online and real life for for them so we sorry one interesting thing there in terms of like you're talking about the voice of generation and he he addresses it here on roadkill about i took shit for being quiet during the election and maybe that's fair mm. but i'm a busy guy <laughs> it's like okay i know i hated that like, i hated okay. that i mean i think i think he's probably doing i think he's probably maybe trying at least to do a little bit more there than just say I'm too I'm too busy being a rock star to talk about the generation uh, or to talk about the general election rather but I mean that is that line actually is one of the reasons why that song didn't work for me at all um I think whatever he was trying to do there didn't work um and that's unfortunate but it's one of those examples of just things not being thought through before you say them and just coming out and and saying these grand statements and saying, well, all of this is this and all of this is this and not necessarily embracing nuance. And I think that when you listen to the 1975, especially the most recent two albums, you are hearing somebody trying to learn about nuance and trying to be open to it and distilling that and trying to, I guess, turn it around and, and present it back out as, look, this is what I've learned. Is it right? And... And he, as far as I can tell, seems very open to being corrected and very open to being um, criticized for things that are for things that are real and for things that are true. I mean, last year uh, he uh, made a statement that the 1975 will never play a festival again unless it has uh, a, a balanced 50-50 gender balance on it. And these are things that he's figuring out on Twitter. You can see it happening like you you can see almost the thought process and and I think that that kind of transposes quite well onto 
the people that he's singing about and singing to, which includes you and I to a certain extent. I mean, we obviously we remember a time before the Internet, but our but our world is still now, you know, primarily online and especially now is primarily online. But um, but I but I yeah, I, I don't think that he, I, I don't think there's a such thing as a voice of a generation. And I think we should be suspicious of anybody who claims to be such. But also, if anybody claims to be the voice of a generation, I'm probably going to assume that they are joking or that they're trying to rile people up um, or trying to prove people wrong. Um, and I think that I I saw I, I read an interview with Matty on The Guardian uh, from, I think, 20. 15 or something 2015 or 2016 and there was a comment underneath it uh that was something like I used to think this guy was an insufferable wanker and now I'm coming around to the to the idea that uh I really admire him for just being open to being such an insufferable <laughs> wanker it's like it's not like he doesn't know yeah it's it's not it's not like he's unaware of it it's not like he thinks he's getting getting everything right all the time and I think I said it the last time we I think I said it actually to Luke when when I was talking about uh, seeing them live for the first time that he does have this energy of a teenager who was for the first time just learned about injustice and is going around and yelling at people and saying hey do you know about climate change do you know about capitalism and there's something a little bit I think pure in that energy especially when you sort of when when you think about this activist generation this generation who's who are tasked with saving the world I mean I guess like you you need pop music to listen to while you're doing that and why shouldn't it be the 1975 you know yeah Okay, um, I can't add much more to that. I think uh, <laughs> I think you've contextualized that album brilliantly. So uh, thank you for oh, that. Thank you. Um, so I think it's really up. I I will, I will tell you some key tracks from it if people don't want to listen to the whole thing. Fair, I have fair, made a playlist fair, called fair. called uh, Cliff Notes in a Conditional Form, and we will link it um, in the show note things. But some tracks that I would recommend checking out would be I think there's something you should know frail state of mind if you're too shy let me know the birthday party me and you together song nothing revealed everything denied what should I say the 1975 which is the Greta Thunberg opener and people are all I think fantastic songs okay I don't quite agree with that but that's okay um uh, we will play one of those songs actually I think there's something you should know from the 1975 notes on a conditional form
Okay, that was the 1975 album. It's called Notes on a Conditional Form. And thank you, Andrea, for uh, those extensive cliff notes on a conditional form. <laughs> uh, very good. Thank you. As I mentioned earlier in the podcast, it is now time to talk to the Merry Wallopers, uh, a.k.a. TPM, who we've already talked about. Uh, the Merry Wallopers um, have been on the up since uh, sometime last year. Uh, we did a couple of gigs with them. They're essentially uh, a trad trio. And we talked to two of the guys, uh, the Hendies, from uh, the Merry Wallopers. Uh, I guess most notably since March, they've been doing a lot of live streams on YouTube. And those live streams are the basis of what we talked about uh, and how they were one of the first artists to really make an impact in Ireland in terms of, along with the scratch probably, in terms of live streams and how it's become a big deal for them and uh, a lot of it's just about the practicalities of doing that um, how they're finding it um, and what they miss in the middle of lockdown they were talking about you'll hear now them doing 150 gigs a year so going from that to doing uh, uh, focusing on live streams has been a very different experience so we will now chat to uh, the Merry Whoppers and TPM about all of their live stream buzzes <laughs> You've been doing the live stream stuff and it's been going really well. And um I guess I'm wondering why do you think it's 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 taken off really well for you? We were one of the first on Patrick's Day to do it. Do you think that had a lot to do with it? I mean, obviously you had some momentum as well from the last six months or so for sure. Yeah. So what happened? To be honest, like it, it, I'd say it's partly just being on it so quick. Like I, I remember having the thought that we'd have to because we play so many gigs. Like we're we're known for just constantly playing gigs, and we had so much momentum building up, and we had some great gigs coming up at St Patrick's Day. Like we were supposed to be in Trafalgar Square and in Germany, and then we were doing Cork Opera House with Lancome and all, and they were all cancelled. So I remember when I first, even before they were cancelled, I was like, right, there's this is going to be a big change to our lives. So I was I, I actually started organizing the live streams like I think before the gigs were cancelled. I think as well the fact that we built a, a specific space and it's kind of like its own stage. The, the yeah, bar, you know, it's not just a house. It's not just us in our sitting room. Yeah, and you're preempted like you know the thing that everyone else is missing. Everyone that can relate to is you know a pub, an Irish pub. Everyone loves and a pub. So we were all we're all looking at your your space with envy, going ah here. Yeah, yeah, yeah of course. <laughs> 
There you are. See, uh, like the the whole the whole thing is that we we would have been playing gigs at least twice a week. Uh, uh, we done for a, the last three years. We done least. over a hundred and fifty gigs last year between the two bands. That was mental. And uh, and we'd have like a kind of like we'd we'd miss the sessions ourselves. Do you know what I mean? So so it, it was work just uh, building the pub and then. You know, there's a, there's a like they feel quite emotional sometimes. You know, when we're doing the live streams, like it actually feels like there's a lot of people there with us. You know, it's not so much yeah like doing a gig. It's kind of actually more than that. It's like uh like people feel we feel like people are so on our side as well, and we're able to um do do something like we get we get nice messages, quite emotional messages after every one of them, and it's kind of. Like, there's something special about them. It's good that we can interact with people as well. It makes, like, the fact that we can we can es- essentially talk to everyone who's watching us uh, kind of compensates for the fact that we aren't seeing loads of people in front of us clapping. Uh, you can see, like, there's a big stream of uh, comments coming through the whole time. So, like, so then in terms of, like, uh, playing and, you know, uh, performance, how is it different? Then obviously there's no crowd. So, but, like, has it does it change? How does it change your performance or does it? Well, we're so used to playing in a, a, a session. Like, we play a session every Wednesday in Tolls and Dundalk. And, like, that's that's very casual. Like, you know, anyone can sing and all this. And it's kind of like sometimes people don't even, like, be listening to us because we're there every Wednesday, you know, and our friends will come around. And they're not going to be listening. As good as we are, they're not going to be listening to us every Wednesday, you know. They're not that good of friends. So, so the the you know, it's a kind of an odd one. Like, the performance is actually, like... I don't think the performance has changed that much. I think we're just aware that people are kind of going through a kind of a shitty time. You know, everyone's going through a bad time. So like, yeah. we're kind of aware that there's something like we get messages saying that we're helping uh, by we're, we're helping make it a bit easier. The you only know, thing so. that's weird about it, I think, is is how much quieter it is. But again, like I think I think people commenting in kind of compensates for that. And you still get the same kind of an adrenaline buzz that like. Yeah. There's loads of and you don't watching. have to tell people to shut up when you're singing songs so it's actually it's, actually, it's <laughs> yeah. actually a lot better yeah yeah that's good um and then the practicalities of like the setting up the live stream stuff like did you have help with that did you just know what to do yeah so we we originally the plan was to be uh just just kind of like i was like we'll just organize it we'll do the pub and we'll we'll just use our computers and then we were looking at different cameras and what ways it could work. We have a, a videographer called Andrew McGahan and he he suggested another fella to us, Connor Lally, to, that uh, that came out with cam with, with a good setup and and it just took away some of that. We now I still had to learn about using OBS and stuff to overlay things and how to actually stream. So it was a steep learning curve, but uh, it's a small crew. There's not a lot, and then we do the sound ourselves. We have to borrow some microphones and that. So. It's 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 all DIY. Like everything else we do, we just like learn it in a hurry. Yeah, but that's the thing now. Like the whole world of music and everything else is using OBS and whatever else to to figure it out. So you just have to start knowing about this stuff now. Of course, yeah. it's not going to go away anytime soon. Like I suppose you know? we're so used to doing everything ourselves. Like with that DIY attitude, that it's it just it, the transition was so easy. Like we're always kind of uh, at that anyway. Just trying to think about the next way that we can learn to do something yeah. and make like you're not waiting for anyone else to like to sort it out for you you're like oh we do this you know so like and i think that's to your benefit as well for sure yeah yeah like we definitely were quick off the mark like you know yeah yeah for sure and um 
you know, I think with that kind of stuff as well, it seems like we're going to be doing this for a while, like yeah. for sure. Like, yeah, absolutely. So, in terms of when you did the first one, did you figure like, oh, we're going to be doing this regularly because it went so well, or you just thought like, I'll be once off? Or so we knew because it was because it was St. Patrick's Day, and genuinely because uh, it's a kind of a novelty. The first few weeks of the lockdown were kind of a novelty. You know, people were like, oh, this is kind of weird. You know, and it wasn't really grating on people so much. So the, we knew the first one would have more viewers, but. Uh, and then we 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 didn't even know if the second one would be uh would be that much of a teller as to whether we should just keep doing them. But you know, uh, like we we retained a hell of a lot of the audience from the first one. So, and then the third one was the same. We got the same kind of viewership as the last one. So we'll just do another one. Uh, we're we're gonna keep doing them because they're they're really like, fun we like playing well. gigs. You know, and and yeah. it's fun. Yeah, it's fun because we get to do. Like, we don't want to do the same set every time we do one. So now we're like, this week, actually, we're just going through songs that we, we wouldn't normally get a chance to play because we're not having the same people come to all our gigs. Do you know what I mean? So, yeah, it's it's kind of a weird one. But, um, yeah, I, I can see it growing as well in popularity more than anything because uh, we're, we're going to do other stuff as as the restrictions kind of loosen more and more. We'll, we'll continue doing live streams because there's, there's not going to be any gigs as far as we're aware for a long time so we'll keep doing live streams and, and that'll be in the form of ballad sessions where we'll be inviting other people down to our house and then it really will be like a ballad session because we'll 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 decorate maybe a different space and uh, maybe build another pub or something you know and try and try and just put a, it'll be like a variety show you know <laughs> but even like the way you had the guests last week with on the like your dvd and stuff like that like it's nice little touch and a nice way to do it but yeah like you already have those guests in you know you're already doing that yeah yeah of course yeah yeah, yeah totally yeah. like it was that's another improvisation thing like that's that's actually just, just because working with what we had we we didn't know how to so we know how to put a video onto the software to come up as a good picture with good sound but then we were like well how are we going to be able to talk to them because we won't be able to see them because we don't have a computer in the room so we were like we just play them on a dvd player yeah it's good it works well obviously you play a lot of gigs if you were saying um which one would you miss now at the moment um now that we're like in what eight nine weeks into this thing uh a pub or a gig <laughs> considering you've got your own pub we do have our own pub and we a lot of gigs have... are in pubs as well <laughs> see the gigs are the best I, i'm gonna say a gig because it's a it's it's the best of both worlds because you have like the gig and then you have the pub afterwards and a little bit of the pub before yeah fair enough That's so i'm gonna go with gig we missed so many like amazing gigs like yeah it's i mad. think it was more than anything it was kind of the fear of like just being lost into obscurity because we don't have anything you know like we play so many gigs and like we could have just stopped when the lockdown was like coming in so we didn't thank god yeah and i think that's the feeling that every musician and artist is having now is like this stalled you know even if you think if you're like think of it in terms of a career or you know a trajectory you're like nothing is happening this summer and that means that no bands are going to break through and play bigger stages just, like everything is just like put off and postponed yeah everything everything is paused like we we had like we we had sold out Wheelands, uh in in two days uh and that was supposed to be in april then it was moved to august and now it, it had to be cancelled so we we don't get to do our first ever headline sellout gig in Wheelands, which is a shame but you know what we have the live streams and it's actually bigger capacity than Wheelands, so it's yeah. grand, you know <laughs> but uh yeah, yeah it, it's a shame just having to not get these 
gigs like even Trafalgar Square in Germany and the gigs we were doing with yeah. Lancome and we had some English and Scottish gigs this year even all the travelling we would have been doing it's weird missing out on that you know because we would have been in by this time this year now we would have been in Germany and England and Scotland and all over Ireland you know so, it's, yeah, so it's we're weird. used to travelling around which is weird now that we're not at least your van is getting a break anyway the van yeah, is like we, we actually don't know ourselves because we yeah. don't have van trouble but uh, I'm actually I'm actually uh, I'm actually restoring my my old car at the minute, so it's just uh, replaced the van work with. <laughs> okay, something something else to do. Fair enough. Um, you know, do you have a sense of? Do you feel like there's you know you've you've hit meeting new audiences? You have a new audience now after this? Yeah, uh, definitely. Somewhat, I, I, I think for for me anyway, I, I I love seeing younger people our age kind of bonding with their parents and grandparents over music that they both like there's something yeah. beautiful about that we're getting sent videos of like old lads playing the tin whistle in the sitting room drinking with their like grandkids you know who are who are putting on the mary wallopers so that's that's something that's cool it's like, great you know? for the music to see that happening like you know to, to yeah to for folk music see it coming back for younger it's people. all it's all relevant you know yeah exactly and it's been going that way for a while and and, it, and certainly like you know the kind of music you're you're doing like is open for every every age group as well so it's kind of nice you're you're in that position have you been checking out other live stream stuff yourselves yeah we watched uh so we we re-watched the scratches live stream that was great uh, I'm trying to think. Jinx Lennon had a live stream, and Sophie Coyle and po- Podge. Yeah. Yeah. Podge did a live stream. Postpone Podge. Uh, like uh, Lemoncello did a live stream there. The other there's loads morning. of great live streams. Like there's just loads, loads of live streams. It's actually handier. Like we'd be seeing, we'd be seeing less gigs. You nearly yeah. Uh, at least you can watch more. At least gigs you can now, watch you know. more gigs. You know. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah, you can get to see a bit more. Um, and so. How often do you think you're going to do the streams now for the next foreseeable future? Well, like so it was hard to uh, organize it every time because we, we wanted to, like, we, we were concerned about the restrictions as well. Like, we didn't want to be putting anyone unnecessarily into harm's way, you know, because we know people that are at risk and stuff. And, and we, we the, the reason we were taking it so slow at the start is because we were like, well, we don't want to just be having us all out to the house all the time. So we were specifically we're leaving even more than two weeks in between each one and um and we we were all self-isolating anyway so uh, it made it a bit easier but i'd say every fortnight now is is the plan so the 29th and then it, that'll be the next one 29th of may and then after that the fortnight after that so we'll see how it goes we'll see how it goes we're not going to we're not you know we're not working on a strict schedule but every fortnight if we, if we got one done every fortnight we'd get our ballad fix yeah we'd get to see sean as well yeah <laughs> oh yeah so he doesn't live with you obviously so no, no. sean lives in town sean lives in town but, um, unfortunately it's good because we're all learning new songs and stuff so and any of the streams so far we whenever uh, we'd all be together we all have new songs to play in yeah it, it's a good bit of excitement you know we really enjoyed the last live stream like it was actually the most yeah. fun so far i think the last one yeah you're probably settling into it a bit more as well, you know, getting yeah. more used to yeah. that stuff and not Like, I think the weirdest thing is, is like, drinking pints in front of really, really, really bright lights. Yeah. There's something, like, it, that room is not a big room, and uh, the light in it is, like... Colossal. Colossal. So we, we put the lighting down a little bit in the last one. Makes it a lot easier, you know. Irish people don't like drinking in the brightness. Well, I mean... Outside. Our pot, outside is <laughs> nice day today. Outside is yeah, you, deal with, you deal with it. Once you have a large group to do it with. But yeah, uh, that's true. 
pint of stout for sure inside inside drinks um so uh, how, did you have any releases planned as well before all this stuff happened or what was the plan on that we were kind of planning on recording an album so we had an album kind of in mind and then we had we were going to release some music videos uh but we're just putting it on hold because we have other we're just kind of learning new stuff and developing at the minute and just letting it yeah. happen as it's happening because yeah we have other like we have different avenues we could be going down at the moment so we're not in a rush to release an album just now but especially when we're doing live streams you know yeah if, sure you know so, and so what about tpm then have you any plans for tpm uh we're gonna do a well we're gonna do a live stream with tpm yeah with tpm yeah 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 but uh but after that i'm not not entirely sure we'll see what happens yeah, we're just kind of waiting and see what happens with everything now that the country's in lockdown. We kind of went into our own little lockdown. but Yeah. <laughs> like, to be honest, it's probably the less... Like, we would have been out of our house four days of the week for three years. And now we're actually just in our house all the time. And it's it's a great... Like, if, we, if, if this wouldn't have happened, we would not have slowed down. And I, actually, it's so important to slow down. Every year we say, like, oh, we're not going to do that amount of gigs again. That's madness. Like, we're wearing ourselves out. You know, and our, our health was genuinely being affected by it. So it's uh, it's 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 great now. We're actually probably healthier than we've ever been at right. the moment. So you, have you found have you found it manageable enough then the lockdown stuff? I think so, yeah. yeah. But there's a lot of people that are in an awful worse situation than us. You know. So we're, we're lucky enough that we've been able to adjust, you know, not everyone can not can, everyone can, can do that. Yeah, so. so we're lucky that way. Yeah. We're actually kinda all right with it, you know. And we live out in like we live out in the countryside, so it's it, it you know, I think living in town might be a bit different because, you know, we it's just fields around us. It's a so. great place to be locked down, our, our house. Yeah. Like, so. Do you get a sense that, uh, you know, the value of music is a bit more uh, obvious to people now that, you know, it's, you know, you're asking for donations and stuff. People are uh, have had to do that because there's no other way of getting money. So, you know. I mean, yeah, everyone has to live. Everyone has to uh, keep things going. So, yeah, we're we're big advocates that the that a musician should be like paid the same way as a tradesman. Do you know what I mean? Like, it should be just simple. Just simple. It's not like it's it's not fair. This idea that uh, there gets to be ten pop stars a year and they get millions and millions and millions. You know, when they're not even the really the artist is never the one getting the millions. It's almost like you're just like there's this romantic idea that you're struggling and you're not doing anything, or you're just amazing and you're yeah. So it's know. like two polar opposites. You can't just be getting along fine. But yeah, we've always actually been coming around to the idea of stuff like Patreon and paying what you think you want to pay an artist because it means you don't block off any music for anyone who can't afford it and the people that can afford it pay you so so it's it's like i i don't have a problem with that like when when i buy stuff on Bandcamp, i i always pay whatever i think you know i can afford and all that and try and give as much as i can and it's a uh, it's actually a better way yeah like well, even, there's no yeah. there's no middle people there you know even traditionally in, in in irish music like before before the idea of a pop star musicians were just people who traveled from town to town and they'd be taken in in every town and given food and and money and everything and they just play music and bring stories and then move to the next town and it was just like being i don't know what like a, like a, it's, a it's a job do you know? it's just a job so. and, and that's that's the way like especially the music that we're doing that's like the that's the the crack of it is that we're uplifting people and and it's 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 like it's important you know to to yeah. 
feel good. Like seeing the messages that we're getting after live streams is absolutely like Standard. mad. Like it's it's brilliant. You know, there's nurses and, and people working on the front line that send us messages after saying like when they get home, they watch it and they're like, you know, it makes them their life a bit easier, which is like exactly what you want your music to do for people. Oh, if it be a girl child, send her out to nurse With gold in her apron and with silver in her purse If he be a boy, let him wear the jacket blue And go climbing up the rigging like his father used to do And it's home, boys, a home Home, I'd like to be home for a while In the old country Where the oak and the ash and the bunny round tree Are all growing green in the Oh, a warning, me maidens, a warning, take by me. Don't ever let a sailor buy an inch above your knee. For I trusted one, and he beguiled me. He left me with a pair of twins to dangle on me knee. And, and it's home, boys, home. Home, I'd like to be home for a while in me own country. Thank you to the Merry Wallopers and indeed TPM for providing us with uh, a lot of laughs and uh, nice chat this week. Um, lovely lads, they are doing a live stream from their pub in Dundalk, pub home pub in Dundalk, this Friday night, that is tonight if you're listening on Friday the 29th of May on YouTube, so uh, that's a good two-hour show, and uh, you can check that. Um, we'll be hearing a lot more from them for sure uh, this year and uh, going forward. Okay, uh, it is time for Songs of the Week now. Our first track of the week is from Phoebe Bridgers, and it is called I See You. was Phoebe Bridgers song is called I See You from a forthcoming album called Punisher I believe uh, yes June 19th so not a few weeks out on Dead Oceans we've heard a couple of songs from this um, and indeed she was on the 1975 album as well um, a very sweet turn from her even though actually I didn't mention how much I hate the lyric 
in that song about uh, if we turn into a tree, can I be the leaves? Anyway. I hate it. I hate it. Why is everything so on the nose in that song? Just give it another pass, guys. So Phoebe Bridger is a bit more subtle in her um, her ways. (laughs) Um, We've heard the song Kyoto uh, so far, Mm. uh, a song I really love. Uh, from one of my favorite songs of the year so yeah. far um, okay so here we have another one called i see you it's a nine track of 11 tracks um you chose this one so why'd you pick it just i mean three in a row you know she's knocking them out of the park i can't wait for this album um i think i i didn't really get into phoebe bridgers until maybe two years ago and then i went back and listened to um a lot of her stuff and was kind of wondering why I wasn't listening to her the whole time. Like she's completely my jam. And I do like that her sound is kind of, I think I said this last time about Kyoto, but I mean, it, it she's sounding fuller and fuller with every release that she puts out and um, a lot more considered and a lot more kind of instrumentally nuanced. And I'm really, really excited to kind of see what the idea of this album is and um, how she's kind of, what what it has to say from from her perspective i mean we haven't had a solo release from her in a really long time the last time we we really heard her was um on uh better i'll, I'll no I'll, I'll get this better oblivion community center that's it is it yes i always get that wrong i'm always like good community center <laughs> even though i listen to that album all the time so yeah it'll be really nice to hear what she's what she's up to on her own and i think so far these three tracks have been perfect yeah absolutely she's uh very talented and i think even that she makes an impression on that uh awful song on the album from 1975 yeah yeah i think if it wasn't if it wasn't for her that song would be so much worse than it is and it's already bad yeah so. Okay, that was Phoebe Bridger's song is called I See You. Up next, um, the album is out today for listening on Friday. It is Lady Gaga and Ariana Grande. Is this album out tomorrow? Yeah, Chromatica. I didn't know. It's out tomorrow, yeah. Or today. Oh my God. Uh, it's called Rain On <gasps> Me. This is a song from them. And here it is.
Hey, that's Lady Gaga and Ariana Grande with Rain On Me. Uh, that is really interesting to me because that is a, basically a French house song. And, right. <laughs> um, what is interesting is that uh, she is not trying to hide that because she put up a playlist on Spotify called Welcome to Chromatica featuring a load of songs, including Roger Sanchez, Another Chance, Cassius. Oh, what a uh, song. She's got Touch Me by Rui Da Silva, uh, New Order Confusion, uh, Horny, uh, Moose Tea, um, Crystal Waters, Gypsy Woman. She's got all sorts of Hideaway by this DeLacy. This is all of the dance music yeah. that I loved when I used to listen to dance music. Yeah. Like that was, so that's, that's my jam. We're talking that's mid 90s my... bangers here. And she also had yeah. another song out today, just before the album or came out or it called with Blackpink called Sour Candy, which sounds like um, Push the Feeling On by the uh, Nightcrawlers as well. So I'm interested to hear what this sounds like. We might be talking about it next week, I think. <laughs> I probably gosh the pop the pop albums are just Charlie last week 1975 this week Dua Lipa Gaga next week yeah 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 like they're just they're coming thank god there you go um I assume you like this track yeah I think it's a it's it's a nice vibe I like what they're doing with it and I yeah I Mm. do like the why not go for some like Daft Punk aren't making French House anymore so somebody else may as well um and in a big context like this, I think it's really nice to hear that. Yeah, I'm I'm sort of bad with when big bangers come out. I don't always get them at the start. I think I don't know. I need to I need to examine why I come to big big bangers like this with a degree of cynicism because I I want to stop doing that. Yeah, um, I get that as well. But I think it's just sometimes there's just like when things are thrown at you, especially from like the big labels and stuff, sometimes you just kind of go, oh, yeah. it's track. And, and it's not like, necessarily like what I would have imagined a Gaga-Ariana um, collaboration to be. But the more I listen to it, the more the more around to it I come. Like it's, I, I think it's just pure unadulterated pop and... I I do find myself really wishing that I was in the club, <laughs> the club, Dick and club. just ha- just having a little bop. Like, and I think it's, yeah, it's, it's a really nice message from two pop stars, two women who have been through a lot in their lives separately and, you know, just coming together and, and having this sort of, I suppose, cathartic moment. Um, and I think good pop songs are usually about catharsis. Um. So, yeah. What, like you said, why not? Yeah, and she already released "Stupid Love," which was another great pop song from. I Chromatica. prefer this to "Stupid Love." Yeah, yeah. Well, that's yeah. really good. I remember Simon played it at uh, one of the Lubo live streams early on that we did that in March. And I was mm. like, that sounds really good. It just sounds great. Yeah. And same with like you're right about that. Like it took me ages to. I think it took for me to hear the Dua Lipa album to realize that the other songs that were released before were really good. And I was just like, yeah, I don't know why that is. I don't know. There's something worth examining there, though, for sure. Mm. Okay, it's time. But we won't do it today. <laughs> well, next week. <laughs> we'll do it another time next week, probably. Uh, okay, uh, slightly left of field now. This is a song uh, that I really like this week. Uh, I picked it because I liked it and I just wanted to give it a bit of airtime. It is uh, oh. from a, a, a band called Child of the Parish. Uh, I heard this on the radio uh, in the UK. What? Uh, BBC Radio 1. Uh, it's called Make It Better. Oh, okay. And I really like it.
Okay, that was Child of the Parish. The song is called uh, Make It Better. Just a, a recent discovery for me. I thought it just deserved a bit of airtime. Air uh, English brothers Ben and Tom Vela. It kind of reminds me of a bit of Friendly Fires, that kind of thing, where they do their, their indie dance thing. Um, mm. And there's a collaboration. Bit here. of Justice as well. Yeah, maybe a bit of that. I got yeah, some Justice. Kind of disco, indie disco, psychedelia yeah. stuff. I like it. I like it a lot. You, could, you can hear it. You, you'd hear this in Workman's. For sure. Yeah, you would. Yeah. Uh, on, on a good night. Like, yeah. If it ever opens again. Uh, <laughs> <no>. <laughs> Sorry. Um, yeah, it's just, it's just a song I really liked and I wanted to give a shout out to really, uh, I guess both of my choices this week are a bit like that. Um, mm. uh, really, the other... I liked this a lot. Yeah, it's just a nice, it's a nice like summery indie pop song, indie yeah. dance song. I was like, yeah, I'm into this. Uh, this is on our Nine new music playlist on Spotify, so you can listen to that right now. Um, and our final song this week is actually, uh, I mean, it could be a bit sad because um it is about prompted by the death of the performer um, and it's not a new song by any stretch of the imagination but uh you will know this song if you spent any time around a radio or anywhere really in the last uh 20 years it is by Mori Kante <laughs> you will hang on sorry you will know this song if you spent time anywhere in the past 20 anywhere years. near a radio <laughs> Or, okay. or that's what I said. Uh, yeah. I just want to break that down. Yeah, no, near radio. I, I didn't know this song, but I have admittedly been living under a rock. Okay, genuinely. Well, okay, well, I don't know. I just feel like this song has come back a load of times with like club mixes and stuff like that. Uh, okay. I will play it first, and then we'll talk a little bit about it. It's from Mori Kante. It's called Yeke Yeke, and this is. That was Mori Kante, who sadly passed away last uh, week at the age of 70. Uh, he left us with that beautiful song. Um, what is noticed about that? It was recorded in 1987 originally. He is a national hero in Guinea, in West Africa. Kante came from the Griot family of hereditary musicians and historians and became known as the Electric Griot for his fusion of contemporary styles with traditional West African influences. Yeke Yeke, his best song, it has been often remixed, um, recorded with, uh, became the first African single to sell over a million copies, uh, as well as being the first international dance floor hit to feature the Kora, which is an ancient West African harp. 
sharp so there you go um it was number one in the charts all over europe and the top five hit uh, uh, in other countries too it made three entries in the uk charts and uh, had a lot of remixes it was also featured uh in on the soundtrack of the danny boyle film the beach you may know it from that it was also also featured in Andrea Cleary's ethnomusicology class in I want to say second year. Ah, we talked about this. Gee, you as, did know it. You did. You, yeah, anywhere near it was, a radio, you might hear it. It was like well, <laughs> near a radio in the J block of the Newman Building in UCG. But yeah, that works too. <laughs> But uh, yeah, it was it was something that we I I I, th- I I'm nearly certain we did. Um, we discussed when we were talking about kind of um, West African percussion that uh, crossed over, uh, as it were, in into kind of European uh, dance music. And yeah, very sad. Um, but what a tune! Yeah, you know, uh, absolutely brilliant track, and it still sounds like fresh as well. And. Uh... Uh, yeah, just one of those things worth celebrating as opposed to being sad about, you know, uh, yeah. a guy who... Like like our Craftwork conversation a couple exactly, of weeks ago. Is, exactly, yeah. so yeah, I just wanted a, a nod to Mori Kante and Yeke Yeke. Um, if you do want to hear that at a live stream this weekend, sure, lock into Lumo. I'm going to be playing that song, I'm sure, on Saturday. We're doing a Lumo live stream on Saturday night. Um, so that's it from Songs of the Week. Um, do we have any other business this week, Andrea? Um... I can tell you that I've read no book. <laughs> well, I'm still, I'm making my way through the Harry Potters again. I'm on Goblet of Fire now, um, which is very fun. And I'm just really, really enjoying it. It's been a, actually a really comforting activity to do is uh, listening to those audiobooks. Um, I've been listening to Denise Chyla's new track, which is out today, premiered on nylonine.com yesterday called Chyla. It is a tongue-in-cheek, fun, dancey explanation on how to pronounce her name and um, everyone should listen to it. She's an amazing woman and I have a interview with her this Sunday in the Sunday Business Post so look out for that as well. Um, and what else have I been listening to? Um... Not a whole lot else, actually. Uh, reading, watching, listening to. Oh, I watched Knives Out. Oh yeah, what did you think? Did you have you seen I've it? I've seen it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I loved it. Yeah. I thought it was tremendous fun, Fa- fabulous fun. Lots of twists and turns. Um, I I wasn't I just wasn't expecting to like it as much as I did, and I thought it was brilliant. Um, How did you find Daniel yeah. Craig's accent? an absolute joy just he was having so much fun he was just like he was really 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 enjoying himself in that part and I mean the man has played Bond so you know but uh oh yeah I thought it was I thought it was really really great fun um you know it doesn't take itself too seriously it completely you know uh, is inspired by and indebted to um, like Poirot stories of which I am a huge fan um, and it's just so much fun there's no other word for it than it's just fun it's a bit of crack like yeah. uh, don't need to it's it's not that deep you know it's just yeah. I know it's good crack. but there is there are parts of you know about class and all that it's very interesting and it's nicely done yeah uh, sure too, yeah absolutely too heavily uh, in, in yeah. terms of the point so I enjoyed that um, I have only been watching uh, the rest of uh, the Michael Jordan documentary The Last Dance I finished it this week 
Uh, very very good i would recommend is it. it it is uh, a very fascinating the dennis rodman uh, uh, episode is great just talking about managing a big character and how phil jackson did that and then michael jordan with his many grudges the man holds many imaginary grudges kind of bizarre yeah and then it kind of who, ex- who does he have a grudge oh against? anyone who said anything to him who was on a different team even if, no matter how innocuous or otherwise he basically used it as an excuse to go and like oh i'm going to score more points than you and the other guy was like i didn't even say anything <laughs> like there's loads right. of those kind of things he would he would use this as fuel to like fuel his performances and stuff like that uh, um, okay. but it also does explain a bit more why if you remember back in the day without any context, why he went off to baseball. Uh, it basically, what? He went and played baseball for like two years uh, when he retired he? the first time. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but, but the reason really is because his dad died. Uh, his dad actually got oh. like murdered. And it was essentially his way of coping with the grief of it. He went off to become a baseball player because his dad loved baseball and stuff like that as well. So it was just oh. this bizarre um, thing that he hadn't really... Um, wasn't very obvious at the time, I and mean, I was very young to be thinking about that. But uh, I didn't really know that sure. at the time. But yeah, really who, who did he play baseball for? What team did he play? Oh, for? I can't even remember. They were like okay, not even a big city. Um, who did okay. he play baseball for? Um, it was. Uh, it's like, oh, hold on, Michael Jordan. I'm very sorry. I put you on the spot there. No, that's fine. I like. I wouldn't be able to remember. It was a real small team, and I was like, why how? Who did and what, what was he good? Uh, yeah, apparently he would have been really, really good. Um, he he started playing baseball when he was younger, but uh, he mm. never really. I mean, I sound like I don't. I don't know what I'm talking about, so don't mind me. Um, sure. Uh, have you ever watched a whole baseball match? The Birmingham game? Barons. Uh, no, I have not. No. I tried to sit through a whole one once, and I found it. I liked all the bits when the sport was happening, um, okay. and then but. Good God Almighty, do the Americans know how to stop fun for yeah, ads? They do indeed, yeah. <laughs> They're very well, good at that. If you're in the stadium, that's when you go get beer and, and food and hang out and chat. So it is a, it is pretty Ridiculous. much a social occasion. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I've never been. Um, the other, in speaking of sport, the Premier League is back on June 17th. Yes, it is. I meant to bring that up earlier on Reasons to be Cheerful. Um, I only saw that literally five minutes before we started recording the podcast and I'm beaming. Um, what's the story? Are people going to be in the stadiums? or No, what? no fans in stadiums. Right. Um, all the remaining 92 matches, uh, they're all going to be uh, played without fans. Uh, I don't know if you've seen okay. any of the German league, the Bundesliga one, but they've been piping some fan noise into the crowds and stuff like that. Oh, I hate that. And I think people are kind of feeling that it's a bit weird, maybe, but... Um, no, I don't like that. I, don't I mean, we've, we've watched... Um, uh, football matches with no crowds before. I watch women's football. I'm yeah. <laughs> I'm used to not hearing a whole lot of crowds. Like <laughs> you know, yeah. Okay. There's no need to pump fake fake noise in. That's ridiculous. But yeah, I'm over the moon. God, I've been absolutely jonesing for some for some football. I have to say, I just really want Liverpool to complete the season for themselves. Jesus Christ, I I think it's it would just be a travesty if they didn't win it this time. Uh, so. Oh, imagine they didn't. Imagine yeah. They didn't. <laughs> 
But yeah, but it's definitely going to happen now. So that's great. Yeah. And uh, so there we go. Um, and uh, other than that, patreon.com forward slash nine or nine. If you want to support us, uh, we would appreciate that. Uh, we did another quiz. You you didn't do the quiz this I time. I wasn't there. You promised. No, you promised. something came up. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Uh, that's okay. Um, how to, did it go? Do you want me to ask you a few impromptu questions? Yeah, go on. Why not? <laughs> we're only on an hour 12. Loads of time. Yeah, great. We're not, we're not feature length yet. Yeah, it's fine. Um, okay. Okay, so uh, which questions will I ask you here? Hold on a sec. Uh, uh, what is the Wu-Tang? The Wu-Tang Clan now have a line of hand sanitizer. What is it called? I can give you the Wu-Tang options. Wu-Tang hand. No, sorry. Yeah, no, I, I absolutely want the uh, the, the options. <laughs> the, sorry. The, the mystery of hand washing, protect your hands, Corona ain't nothing to fuck with, or liquid swords. I'm going to say Liquid Swords. It was Protect Your Hands. They're all terrible names. <laughs> yeah. No, they yeah. are all bad. They are all bad. Uh, oh, wow. Okay. I also You missed the Hosier image round where I, I photoshopped Hosier's face onto famous people. Uh, <laughs> unfortunate for you. Uh, oh, True or False once. Um, true okay. or False, Justin Vernon, a.k.a. Bonnie Ver, once spent a summer selling phones on Air Square in Galway. True. It is true. He did do that. <laughs> <laughs> Otherwise, that's a very inventive question. It is, yeah. Um, before Blur, Damon Alburn worked as a mime artist. True or false? True. It is true. Um, the Eurovision Song Contest produced place, place last weekend, but can you name the Irish entrant? No. Leslie Roy. <laughs> <laughs> Um, false okay and then one more um oh two more for hold on uh, adam clayton was arrested for marijuana possession outside of which iconic dublin pub house in 1989 public house 1989 can you name the pub? who adam clayton from you two. Oh, okay um i can give you the options if you prefer yeah go on uh whelan's grogan's johnny foxes or the blue light I- i'll say whelan's because that was my initial thought okay with the blue light uh, up, oh. in, up in the up in the mountains, and finally, true or false? John Lennon once bought an island off the coast of County Mayo. False. True. It is true. What? Yeah, he bought. An I thought we off the coast. Does he still own it? Uh, well, he's not alive anymore, so he does not own it. No, but I mean, does his estate still? Does Yoko own it? Dornish, <laughs> no, uh, his the planning, <laughs> the planning permission uh, lapsed, and uh, it was oh. an uninhabited island that he planned to uh, build on it. I think it went for I sale. Thought we again we in had all of our islands firmly within our own grasp. Well, I mean, I, I think people, I think the locals. It's near Inish Turk. I think a lot of people just uh, the locals just uh, put their like sheep on it and stuff. But uh, he plans to build. He never did. And it went on sale again in 2012. So there you go. Right. That's everything from us this week, right? That's it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. We'll be back maybe next week talking about the Lady Gaga and whatever else happens in the next seven days. Who knows? Um, And in the meantime, have a great weekend and uh, enjoy the sunshine. Thanks everyone for um, listening and being great and messaging us and being all supportive and nice. It does yeah, mean a lot. It does mean a lot. Thank you so much. Um, and apparently, if you leave an, uh, a review on iTunes, that's still a good thing to do. So if you want to, I know everyone always asks that in podcasts, but if you want to do oh. do, just say a nice thing. And that's it. Just 
just leave it at that very short lovely <laughs> do that right our closing song is from the Dublin producer uh, Sam Killeen aka Senu uh, and the vocals of Quiva de Barra of Wyvern Lingo it is a song called Thought I Saw You which came out this week uh, Senu Music on Instagram if you want to hear more um, this is a great track and uh, Andrea thank you so much for your uh, extensive clip notes on our conditional form and, <laughs> thank uh, you very much for um, listening to them <laughs> sure sure uh, I was it was enlightening for me as well um, so thank you very much and uh, this is Senu with our Thought I Saw You featuring Queen of the Bar bye Bodies still out of love
Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.